0: So we're privileged this morning to have as our guest speaker Captain Jonas Winbolt. Captain Winbolt is your missionary to the United States Army. Right? And, uh, part of what's known as the Eagle Commission in our network and family of churches around the country. Uh, Jonas currently is serving at, uh, Joint Base Lewis-McCord in Tacoma, Washington. And, uh, I count Jonas to be a very, very special friend in my life. God gave us a special connection, I don't know, three years ago, two years ago. Um, he called me up, and uh, we met at my bagel shop, and I said, well, how will I recognize you? And he said, I'm loud and large, you can't miss me. And uh, that's, that's been the story of our friendship for the last three years. He's loud and large, and uh, so I always sound quiet compared to him. I want to introduce you also briefly to a brand new video just produced for our Eagle Commission, a reminder To us to be in prayer for our special missionaries that serve with with the armed forces. There, uh, I have two pieces of paper that i brought with me this morning. They're on the back counter there. Uh, One is a piece with pictures of our chaplains, which is the one-page prayer reminder, and then the other is a brand new, hot off the press booklet of a daily prayer guide as we pray for our chaplains, uh, not only around the country but around the world. So we're going to look at this video, about three minutes long, and then uh, we'll wake Jonas up and turn him loose. We would never think of sending our missionaries without having prayer teams and support teams. That's why the Eagle Commission exists to be prayer partners for them, to help the chaplains know that they're connected and that they're loved and their families are remembered as well. I want to thank you for this time that we can lift them up to you.
1: There's about nine to ten of us, several couples, a couple singles. But we pray for whoever has written us and what their needs are.
0: So when Linda started this prayer group, it made sense for us to do this thing together. Uh, sometimes you don't get a lot of opportunities to be able to minister together. This is one thing we can do that we're passionate about.
1: Father, we don't know the details of all these requests, but you do, and we thank you. that you can. We've
0: been involved
1: in so many deployments that we've been able to pray them through, and children that were born, and even families who've lost loved ones. And you know, they just need our support, our encouragement at that time, and that's what we can give them. Both my daughters got married and then their husbands enlisted. My sons in law were able to be involved in services when they're deployed. It's such a blessing to have chaplains who are caregiving and concerned about investing in not only in the military service member but also in their family.
0: God's Word teaches us that through the weapon of prayer we can effectively and practically partner with chaplain missionaries in kingdom advancing ways. The battle they're fighting, the battle we're fighting, is a spiritual battle. And that means that anywhere, anytime, uh, we can stand with them. We can literally kneel with them in prayer. The reason we pray for them is they have such a huge group of people that they're trying to minister to. Men and women serving in the military are faced with challenges that are wrapped in loneliness. Those are times when we're smart enough to seek answers beyond ourselves. The chaplain steps up with the Word of God and ministers. And I went to that chaplain,
1: and I used to sit in that service and listen to that man preach.
0: And he was like an angel to me. I knew people who said they were Christians, but this man knew Jesus. Chaplains were so critical to the salvation of my son and his staying off of drugs in the service and eventually becoming a Christian.
1: It is a mission, and that they are pastors, they are leaders in our fellowship, also to recognize the unique mission field they have. I can't say that I would even be in ministry today if it wasn't for that chaplain on that aircraft carrier.
0: We've made it our goal, even still yet on a retirement income, to be supporters of the Eagle Commission because I'm so grateful. I can trace my call to ministry back to Fort Bragg, North Carolina. We're with them. We're praying for them. We're backing them up here. Even though they don't see us, we're here for them.
2: I'm pretty big and loud right like uh, pastor Rick said so uh, yeah six foot six 78 inches 260 pounds I'm like the biggest literally the biggest army chaplain in the army um, but first I have to I have to say Pastor Rick thank you for bringing me to your church to your fellowship for for letting me come up here and, and occupy this space that is very uh, reserved for uh, those that are called to propagate the word of God so I don't take this lightly. Uh, what I would, what I, I, you know, I grew up on the street. That was Sesame Street. And I think the word for the day is joy because my ears hurt from that singing. And I haven't, I haven't heard that in a long time. I, I haven't been in, and my wife and I and our family haven't been in a fellowship where when we walk in where joy is the word for the day, right? It, usually it's very kind of quiet and people are kind of skittish. But
1: uh,
2: I, I hope you invite me back, because uh, I think I've found a, a new potential home, <laughs> even though I live in, live in Washington. So thank you. Thank you. And, and look, because you guys all all pretty much don't know me, um, I don't want to be that weirdo getting up and occupying a pulpit without you first kind of getting to know who's up here. And so, you know, like Pastor Rick, right, Pastor Roy said, there's this, this handy dandy book out here, and if you flip into like page seven, that's. That's me and my fam. And uh, you look at it. There's fun facts there. There's how we can pray, all that. A little bit of context about me. I I bleed red. Right. I'm human. I'm I'm nothing special. Right. Uh, Being an army chaplain doesn't make me any more uh, important than anyone else. I'm I'm called by God. I've been called by God for my whole life. I one of my verses in here is uh, Genesis 32, where Jacob is wrestling with the angel of the Lord. And he finally does, does a little combatives with the angel of the Lord, and he finally gets pinned, and uh, he he doesn't relent. He just continues to struggle, and he gets a new name, and that new name is one who struggles with God, Israel, and and that that is very in a kind of a quick nutshell. That's kind of my life. <laughs> I just struggle with God day to day, and I'm being called. I'm given a new name instead of worthless. I'm given <laughs> beloved, right? And that's that's kind of. That's kind of my story in my life, coming where I've come from. Abusive father, Vietnam veteran, Navy, uh, drug addict, your typical Vietnam vet, if you think of, you know, like a Vietnam vet uh, who's struggling with PTSD. That's where I came from. I came from abusive family. I came from uh, uh, just a lot of wear and tear of relationships in my, my personal life. And, uh, you know, uh, growing up in church, I found found it as a place of refuge. Superman's my favorite superhero, and he has the fortress of solitude. And church was always a fortress of solitude for me. Right? And so growing up in that context and being called into a mission field, right, and going down to Mexico from Washington, that's where I grew up, going down to uh, and, and serving, seeing, putting my faith into practice, right? Putting my faith into practice. It doesn't operate in a vacuum. And, and just seeing that call get emerged. Remember, I'm constantly wrestling with God and, uh, meeting my to be wife down there, right? Getting married, getting called to the mission field. I was a wildlife biologist. That's my training. So I did wildlife biology to support my family while, while my wife and I were pursuing missions overseas in Turkey. And, and then a call changes to the military. What what the heck is this? A military? I don't want anything to do with the military, you know? Military breaks people and causes destruction of families. But my brother-in-law, who's a non-Christian guy, ranger, army ranger, had been bugging me for years. Uh, knowing that I had a Talbot degree and you know I was being called in the ministry, he said, you need to go in the army. You need to go here. They need you. And I'm like, "Well, what would I do? He's like, oh, chaplain. You've got to be a chaplain. I'm like, what's a chaplain? <laughs> right? I didn't know. And so if y'all want to know what a chaplain is, I preached a year ago over at Bellflower about what is a chaplain. And it's on, it's on digits, it's recorded. And if y'all want to know what a chaplain is, download that and listen to that sermon. Because, and I'll, the bottom line up front, I'm going to use some acronyms today, the bluff, but I'll define them. The bluff, the bottom line up front is, a chaplain is just a function, it's a term, like pastor. But it has nothing to do with me being better or worse than anyone else. I'm just a minister of God's grace. That's it. I just do it in the army. That's it. You all do it in your day jobs. You all do it at church. You all do it in any context that you operate in. Guess what? You're a chaplain. And that's what it is. You're a chaplain. And before I get really going here, I'm going to pass something around. This is a little show and tell day today. Um, This is an army coin. And in the army, we use these coins to identify friend or foe, really friend. And it's also being used to basically create a—we call it a "spirit of corps." And it's the spirit of the corps. It's brotherhood, sisterhood. It's a—it's—it's—it's it's, it's a bond where I'm not blood related to these people, but we share something. We share in suffering in such a way where I could call you my brother. We do that in the Christian environment, too. We have brothers and sisters here because we share in a suffering, right? We share in a suffering. And so I'm going to pass this around. I want you guys to kind of look at it. And uh, eventually it'll need to make its way back here because I'm going to talk about it at the very end. I'm going to tell you a story. And I'm I'm going to warn you, some of my stories are probably PG to PG-13 rated. So I'm glad the kids are out of here. But I wanted to peel back the veneer of that video you just saw, because there was a lot of solemnness in it, there was honor, there was duty, there was a a gospel-centric focus. And I'm going to pull that back, and I'm going to put you in a context, a little bit of a context, where I operate. And I'm trying not to be the grumpy chaplain. I talked to Roy about this driving in this morning. I don't want to be the grumpy chaplain, so I don't want this to be negativity, but like the songs we sing just up here this morning, we talk about despair, but there's another flip side to despair, which is joy and happiness through Christ. So I want you guys to see there's, as I was thinking of a sermon title today, the only one I could think of, and I didn't want to plagiarize it, was war and peace. (laughs) But that's a Leo Tolstoy novel. Because that's really what it is. There's warring, and then there's, if in Christ, there's a shalom, there's a peace about it. And so... So I just want you to put that in the back of your mind. I want you to think about context. And I'm gonna try to walk you guys through, uh, what's been going on with me. Really. I'm gonna, I'm gonna really preach to me. Y'all just get to hear. So, so I wanna, let's see, I gotta turn this bad boy on here. So I hold it down for ten seconds. So I have a, I have a nifty diffy PowerPoint up here and these are all pictures I've taken from the field. It's green, it's good. These are all pictures I've taken from the field. So, contextually, where I've been at for the last year and a half to two years, doing military chaplaincy, just doing the business of the vocation, excuse me, the vocation of ministry in the military, I felt like I've been wandering in a dark night, possibly with fog, not really knowing where I'm going. And this is a picture in the early dawn of our our command training. Uh, it's basically our command post. Out there in the desert, training. And you really don't know where you're going. But you sort of kind of have a light in the background. so you know stuff's out there. you just you just got to be careful where you walk, right? And when you're lost in land navigation, the first thing you have to do if you're lost is is what do you got to do? If you' if you're navigating through the woods with a compass, not with Siri, not with your phone, but you're navigating with a compass and a map and and whatever wits you have. If you're lost, what do you, what do, you do first? You what? Well, yeah, you can look up. But 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 what do you do first, before you look up? If you know you're lost, what do you do? You stop. <laughs> right, you stop. <laughs> yeah. So if you know you're lost, you got to stop. And then you got to reorientate yourself, look at the sun, figure out which direction you are, figure out where you're going, where am I at, where do I want to go? And so for the last year and a half um, in ministry, I, I felt like I've... I have a calling. I had a calling. It's been vetted to be there. I've been certified read it through Grace Brethren uh, Conference, Caris, and I have people in my life to kind of keep me on the straight and narrow. But, but personally, with the Lord and with the inundation of of interaction and in ministry, I felt I've struggled. I've, I've struggled. I've, I've felt lost because it's ministry in the military is a catalyst of bad behavior that's dumped on you very quickly. Now, it ex- military is just a microcosm of the larger world we live in. But in the military, everything speeds up very, very quickly. So I could give you examples, and I'll give you one. Just this morning, Roy was in the car. I got a call from a staff sergeant because he was. we have a soldier back in, in JBLM who's cutting himself. And, and they didn't know what to do, so they called me. I'm on temporary duty. I'm down here. They didn't know what to do, and they call me and I help them walk through what to do, right? And in the back of my mind, I'm praying the whole way for this kid's safety, right? He needs, first, physical safety. Second, he needs restoration in the heart. One's easier to do now. One's harder to do in the long term. But still, it all needs to get done. But that's what ministry looks like. And that's day-to-day, multiple times of the day, right? And so... So this this, I think, paints a good picture of the struggle that I've been kind of walking through is that I know where I'm at, but I'm I don't really I I know kind of where I'm going, but I'm just the surrounding around me. It's a little fuzzy. It's a little dark. And so, oh, I got to aim this way. I'm pushing the button. (laughs) I'm pushing forward. Oh, there it is. So, again, since we're a week away from the Super Bowl, I thought of Vince Lombardi example was absolutely relevant. Absolutely. So Vince Lombardi, when he took over for the Green Bay Packers, day one, losing losing team, they were 10 one when he took over. And he walked in and he held up a football. Do you guys know the story? No. Alright, he so Vince Lombardi, amazing coach, amazing man, right, walks in day one, holds up a football and says, Hey team, hey this is a football <laughs> to the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> He did that to drive a point home, is that you, when you're, when you're messed up, when you're goofed up, when you're lost, when you're losing, you have to re- rewind it. Not necessarily rewind it, but you got to go back to what works, which is the basics. You have to go back to the basics, right? you got to know, again, if you're lost in the woods. Out here, you can get lost all over, but you have pretty much line of sight because you're in the desert without very many trees. In Washington, if you get lost... You don't see sky, and you're surrounded by dense trees. You have to stop and use a magnetic compass to find where you're at. You Got to stop. And so, so for me, I'm walking you through what I do to restore that God uses to restore my clarity and where I'm going. So Vince Lombardi, this is a football. And the first place to start is Micah 6:8. Micah 6:8. But let me read the context to Micah 6:8. Because the context is, is incredibly important. I don't like to read scripture in the vacuum. So you have to understand that Israel, God's beloved, they're screwing up and complaining, and then they get a heart change, and they come back to the Lord, and then they it's like a pattern. It, it's, it, it's a routine pattern with Israel. Um, Micah's a, a minor prophet, and this is, what, this is the context where we go here. If I start in 6, I'll just go back to 6, 5. Don't you remember, my people, how King Balak of, of Moab tried to have you cursed, how the Balaam son of Beor blessed you instead, and remember your journey through Acacia Grove to Gilgal when I, the Lord, did everything I could to teach you about my faithfulness. And what can we bring to the Lord? For what kind of offering should we give him? Should we bow down before God with offerings of yearling calves? Should we offer him the thousands of, of rams and 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Should we sacrifice our firstborn children to pay for our sins? This is Israel whining. They're just whining. And, and here's what God responds to in Micah. No, O oh people, the Lord has told you what is good to do what he requires of you, to do what is right to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. And so that's where I start. When I get lost... When I start whining and complaining and I turn into the grumpy chaplain, I have to go back to what works. Right? I got to I got to reset my my compass, and I go to Micah six eight. No, O oh people, the Lord has told you what is good. This is what He requires of you. What is right? To love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Right? That's it. And so driving on from there. See if I can get it to go. Oh. Driving on from there, I, I usually drift into the, to, uh, Matthew 5, the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount. And, again, I'm resetting my compass. One day, as he saw the crowds gathering, this is Jesus, he went up to the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him, and he began to, he began to teach them. And blessed are those who are poor and realize their need for him. This is out of the New Living Translation. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice. That sounds a lot like Micah 6.8. For they will be satisfied. And God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And God blesses those whose hearts are pure, pure of heart, for they will see God. And God blesses those who work for peace, who are peacemakers for they will be called children of God. And God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Mm -hmm. And so, so the, the vocation of ministry that we're all in is really rather simple. Whoops, I'll go back to that. There it is. The vocation of ministry that I see that we're constantly in, that I'm constantly in, is peacemaking. It's the Again, it's a vocation. It's a calling. Um, it's peacemaking. People are at war. I am surrounded by war. I'm surrounded by... They may not be... I'm in a field artillery battalion, so we shoot 155-millimeter 150, rounds downrange. And these things are loud. They shake the earth literally. You'll see the ground rise up when they shoot these things. And it is destructive. It is awe-inspiring, I would never want to be on the receiving end of one of those. Uh, Before that, I was with the sappers, so I was with combat engineers who just like to blow stuff up. They were just pyromaniacs. And so the business of the military is killing people, hopefully for righteous reasons. That is the business of the military, killing and breaking stuff, hopefully for righteous reasons. That's why it needs to be done in the right way. I mean Romans Romans thirteen. Look at that. So when the sword of the government is yielded, I want to make sure I want to do my part to do what is right, what is good. Walk humbly with my God to make sure that uh, we're just doing things right, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so this is the this is the vocation that I think we all find ourselves in. We're in the, we're in the midst of peacemaking. People are warring at each other. There's people I. When I I was working on this sermon, (laughs) I was kind of, I'm a glutton for punishment. I was watching the impeachment in the Senate. (laughs) This background noise. And I'm just seeing like literally from the top echelons of our government down to just the individual person we deal with. People are warring. They are, in their hearts, they are not content. They don't have peace. Right? They don't have peace. So if we are to be called peacemakers... Right. What does that look like? How do we do that vocation? How do we do the business of peacemaking in people's lives? So let me back up. In the military, you you can't be in the military without a confusing graph. So I, I wanted to paint a very quick picture of what a chaplain. Because right, that's the calling I have in the military, and this is pretty similar in all the other branches: the Navy, the Air Force, and the Navy is composed of the Marines and in, in the Coast Guard. Um, this is sort of kind of what it looks like for everybody. So, it's it's all based in identity. I am a top top row. I am a Christian. I'm a Christian. God gave me an identity, right? I am a Christ follower. Greek is Christianoi. I follow Christ in in. I follow what Christ says for me to do, wants me to do, desires for me to do. I am a Christian. I'm a religious-affiliated pastor, which means I'm a Fellowship of Grace, Brother, in Church pastor. <laughs> it's just a fancy way of saying I'm an FGBC pastor, right? Uh, I am a soldier, right? Got it. I'm, an, I'm, I'm in the Army. I'm a soldier, too. I'm a captain. Great. I, I'm an O3. That's how much they pay me. Great. You now know how much I make. I'm a husband and a father. I'm a husband to my wife, who, for almost 18 years, and I'm a father to four kids, right? Four kids, 13 down to five, so pray for me, please. Girl is 13, so pray for me double, right? <laughs> I love my daughter, but yeah, she's I'm understanding what teenage times look like again. Uh, but but more, impor- but more importantly, all these things are important, right? But I'm a chaplain to all. Everyone in my battalion, I have 642 soldiers in my battalion, from the battalion commander, an 05, lieutenant colonel, down to your brand new soldiers that just came out of his advanced individual training school to learn his job, and he got assigned to my battalion. Every one of those soldiers in between, 642. That is my flock. 642. (laughs) 642. And we're talking all stripes, all, all persuasions. Right. All beliefs. Right. Everything in there. Throw it all in there in the mix. And guess what? I'm also a chaplain to the garrison of JBLM, which has I don't know, 50,000 people. And I'm in charge of basically camp liaison ministries with local camps. And I'm also in uh, help out with the youth group. And I also help out basically just wherever they need a plug, <laughs> you know, like a pulpit plug or someone just to help out because I'm a known quantity there. People, people give me freedom of movement to kind of just take care of ministry wherever it needs to happen. So I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a loose goose there. It's, it's kind of fun. So I'm a chaplain to all. The Buddhist, the Buddhist soldier, the Hindu soldier, the Jewish soldier, the Muslim soldier, the Christian, the Roman Catholic soldier, all those, I'm their chaplain. right? But I can't do all their services. So we go down to the next bracket. I could do specific religious functions for my my unit or the garrison. But again, I'm a, I'm, I'm a grace brother and chaplain. There's certain restrictions and limitations not only by what I believe, but by what the conference believes as well, because I'm part of the conference. Right. right? So I need to be very mindful of that. I can't go and bat- I'm not going to go and baptize babies. Right? Because I know what they want. But I can't do it. So I either have to either do the activity they're requesting or I have to get someone else to do it. I can't do Catholic Mass. So I got to go find a priest. That is my job as a chaplain. I either perform it or I provide it through customer service. right? So where it gets a little squirrely is unit-based functions. If you look at that graph over to the far right, unit functions. These are like memorial ceremonies. So when soldiers die, we have to do a patriotic ceremony. The chaplain runs it. But I have to be very mindful about, they call it proselytizing. I have to be very mindful about preaching the gospel. Because, again, it's a required function where soldiers are to be at. But I have to keep that in mind. They, I have their undivided attention and they're forced to be there. Is that the right venue for me to share the gospel? Maybe, maybe not. I have freedom. I have personal religious freedom and as a chaplain to do that. But the question is, now we go to the bottom, is context. Context. We are right now in this church. We are in an inclusive environment or excuse me, an exclusive environment. Right. Those that call themselves members of this church believe a certain thing. We are Christians. We are a family when we invite other people in we want to be more inclusive but we also have limitations on what they can what what they're what they're allowed to do once they get here All right we want to protect our flock you want to protect your flock pastor rick right you absolutely do so in the context of the military i want to be exclusive as a fellowship grace brother and christian chaplain but i want to be inclusive to be everybody's chaplain does that make sense yeah cuz ministry Ministry is not just happening amongst the people who believe what I believe. Ministry is happening to people of all thoughts, creeds, persuasions, right? it's, It's incredibly dynamic, incredibly dynamic. All right, advancing. So going back to peacemaking, this is the environment I find myself doing peacemaking in. And I, I was flipping through Calvin. I, I kind of like Calvin. He uses some uh, very old-fashioned words, so we're going to get through these. But I'm going to go point by point. This is what Calvin had to say about uh, Matthew 5, 9. And I know it's kind of light, but so I'll read it. By peacemakers, he means those who not only seek peace and avoid quarrels as far as lies in their power, but, also, but who also labor to settle differences among others, who advise all men to live at peace, And take away every occasion of hatred and strife. Right, we're going to keep going. There are good, there are good grounds for this statement, right? We want to live at peace with everybody, right? Right. I mean, we all want we want to go along to get along, right? It is a laborious and irksome employment to reconcile those who are at variance, those who are struggling, basically. People who struggle, and when we enter into the role of peacemaking in their life, it's a laborious and irksome employment. (laughs) It's tough. (laughs) It is tough. It is tough being in the vocation of peacemaking. It is tough. Persons of mild disposition who study to promote peace are compelled to endure the indignity of hearing reproaches, complaints, and remonstrances on all sides. Complaining. <laughs> so the way I describe my day, and again, I'm not trying to be the grumpy chap, and I'm just trying to paint a picture, is I walk around, and, and this is where I'm going to get a little PG on you here. This is the way I describe it. <laughs> I walk around with a bag that people vomit in all day. Not literally, but figuratively, right? They just vomit all their problems on me. I'm there to catch it, and I'm here there to help them sift through and help diagnose, you know, what's going on. And what they can do about it. Like that's my day. <laughs> the reason is that everyone would desire to have advocates who would defend their cause. I have soldiers that come into my office daily, wanting me to fight on their behalf for their perceived injustices. Right. I'm in the business of peacemaking. I'm, I'm, I'm called to do peacemaking, and I want people. They want me to. They want to use me as an advocate for them. Right that we may not de- depend on favor of men because there's there's sometimes I just can't get them what they want I can't Christ bids us to look up to the judgment of his father who is the god of peace and who accounts us his children and while we cultivate peace through our endeavors may we not may not be acceptable for men there's just sometimes I won't be able to please people But for to be called means to be accounted the children of God. And that's the latter part of the verse. Weos atheos, sons of God, children of God. And that's the business of peacemaking. We may not please everybody all the time, but it's a a place that we enter into to do the best with what we got. But guess what we got? What do we have at our disposal? We have the gospel, the good news. We have the Holy Spirit. And dwelling in us, and if you go to Hebrews and you start looking at what does the word of God do? It cuts flesh and bone. Tell me a, a, a military weapon that cuts flesh and bone to the hearts of men. Tell you guys, you guys have an idea? Because there doesn't exist one, right? But the word of God does something. That's the Moab. That's the mother of all bombs, <laughs> right? For my Air Force brother in here. <laughs> Right. That is the thing that that is the the utility in our arsenal that really has no failure. Right. And. And, and so in the military, uh, there's got to be a so what you have to you have to figure out what is the so what before you do anything. There's got and so what's the purpose. And so for this, for me. Again, if you notice on the back of the slides, they've gone from dark and it's getting lighter. (laughs) I did that purposely because for me, it's all about revelation. The word of God brings about revelation in my life where I'm at now so I can see where I'm going. Right. And so I did this purposely. These are all pictures from different trainings I've been at. So if we jump to Romans 12 and and I'm not I'm not going to again, I'm not going to expound this verse by verse. I kind of just kind of lumped it in together. But what do we got to do? Romans 12. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. Be kind, or the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way of worship, worshiping him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, renewing your mind. Then you will learn to know what God's will is for you. Which is good, pleasing, and perfect. And because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give to each of you a warning. Do not think that you're better than you really are. Be humble, right? Micah 6 8. Don't think I'm all that in a bag of chips. Right? And then he goes on, I'm going to jump ahead here. He goes on to basically say, if your calling's this, then do it. If your gifting's this, then do it. All right, jumping down to nine. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other and be genuine with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy. But work hard. Serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God peoples are in need, be ready to help them always. Be ready to help them always. Be eager to practice hospitality. And bless those who persecute you. Don't don't curse them. Pray for them. Bless them. Be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony. Here's the key thing. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. I'm a United States Army chaplain. I'm a Christian. Fellowship of Grace Brethren has uh, certified me. That's an army language. Certified me to be allowed to serve in, in these United States Army. Um, you all pay my bills with your taxes. Thank you. Thank you. I am a, I, The way I see my role here is I'm a missionary. I'm a missionary. And uh, here's the cool thing. I'm a missionary that you all are paying for. And everybody else around this church who doesn't go to church is paying for it, too. And so the business that I, the vocation, I keep saying business, the vocation that I walk into, it's a calling. And you all are called to a specific vocation. Uh, It's no better, no worse than what I do. It is what it is. And along the way, doing the vocation of peacemaking, it gets pretty ugly. But eventually, there'll be a beam of light that pops through. I took this down, uh, I was on the border mission. Uh, my unit was deployed down to the border to protect the border this uh, for four months last year. So I, I basically drove 15,000 miles in a few months from Arizona, California, all the way to Big Bend, Texas, multiple times, back and forth, taking care of my people. And I would take soldiers up here. This is on the border, uh, just south of Tucson, is Tucson. And we're right on the border and I'm looking uh, east. And it was a stormy day. And I just saw that pop through, and I'm like, holy cow. Maybe God's trying to tell me something here through just the glory of his creation. And I'm with soldiers. Let me jump a little ahead, too. Again, it was a reminder to me, Micah 6.8, but it was a reminder to me that maybe, being the grumpy chaplain, maybe I don't have anything to be grumpy about because the sun is shining. The God's wind is at my back. I have a wonderful family who is my first Israel. That's my ministry right there. It's my first ministry. So there's my family. And then that day, I'm up there with soldiers, and these are my soldiers of different units. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to tell you something else. Being, being in the business of peacemaking, the, the vocation of peacemaking, you're put in places that you will never think you would ever get to. Right? If you let the Holy Spirit just kind of guide your steps and just kind of go along to get along and be attentive to it, you'll be in places that you would never thought, ever. And so just the other day, literally, I came down here on a Friday. I think I flew in Friday. Friday night, my old battalion commander is the dude in the lower left. He's out at Fort Irwin. We met in Hesperia. It's some dive dive bar, right? Basically by a truck stop by the 395. And I got to minister him for two hours. He's my old battalion commander. And we still keep in touch. And he's a non-Christian. He, he's a human being. He bleeds red, too. He struggles with stuff. And when we parted, he, he said one of the most affectionate terms in the military that you could receive, which is for someone to call you their chaplain. Shows a sign of possession. Kind of like sons of God. We are, or children of God, we're possessed by God. When he, he said, Jonas, you're my chaplain, and he started crying. And, and that's, that's something that I can't reproduce. It's something I can't just go and seek. All I have to do is show up. I have to do the calling that I've been called to. And God will work his will out for people in their lives in my life. But, but ultimately, I have to show up. I have to. And I have to be in the business of of peacemaking, because you know what I war in myself, but I have a holy I have God who dwells in me through the Holy Spirit, helping that peace, and helping that war turn into peace. Because I can't I can't make my life peaceful, I just can't. I need God's help to do that, and so this this is the ministry I find myself in. I'm, I'm in the ministry of peacemaking. I'm in the vocation of peacemaking. This is just the military. Oh, thank you. So the coin comes back around, I'm going to tell you a story. I think that's it. So this coin uh, was given me by a chief warrant officer in my last battalion. He was, uh, he's a gay man. He was married. I knew he was gay. I knew he was married. (laughs) I am his chaplain. Be, be, not just by the, the army putting me in his unit, but I, I became his chaplain, not by endorsing his lifestyle, not by uh, overlooking certain things, but by being there for him. And where he gave me... The, so the context why he gave me this coin, this coin is a coveted coin amongst... He's in the human intelligence, in the military intelligence uh, arena. This is a very coveted coin because... It's a very small, select group of people that go to this school to get this coin, and he gave it to me because when his partner died, he didn't know what to do, and there was uh, contemplations of suicide, and there were other uh, feelings to try to cope with the loss, and so he came to his chaplain, who he knew was Christian, who had certain standards and principles that I did not agree with him, but he still came to me, and all I did. Was love on this guy for half a day, and I just sat with him. I prayed for him. You know, I prayed that the Holy Spirit would penetrate his heart. And when he PCS, he was permanent change of station, meaning he left. He gave me this coin, and he cried, <laughs> he cried at me when he left because uh, I'm not here to say I'm not here to air the dirty laundry of other chaplains. But he he didn't have a place with others. But all I had to do was just. Again, you look at what Christ did for us, right? You look at what Christ did for us. We don't deserve any of that. We don't. And so for us to bring whatever baggage we had and laid at the feet of Christ, right, is he just going to turn us back and walk away? No, he's not. He's going to pick us up because he cares for us. He's going to tell us to pick up his cross, but guess who's carrying the cross, man? Christ is, because he did it. And so, so look, Oh, yeah, I'm a chaplain. I'm a military chaplain. I'm no, I'm no better no worse than anyone else doing ministry. I'm just doing ministry there. And so my, my charge to you all, when you pray, you have a prayer guide, you have, or a prayer, what is that prayer card? You have this. Um, not every chaplain will have the same experiences that I've, I've relayed to you, but they are in ministry in the same type of environment, dealing with the same type of stuff. And so when you pray, I wanted to give you context so to know how to pray. Right, so when you read, and I'm just going to go to me, when you read Jonas Wimble, how can I pray? Health for Jonas is he is still learning how to balance a good pace. You guys hopefully now know kind of what that means. The good pace is me dealing with people's garbage all day long. Right? In a chaotic environment. I'm in a literally chaotic environment. Again, Pastor Rick, you have a lot of business in, in ministry here that, that happens. Just in the military, the only difference is it is incredibly fast-paced. And so, uh, humanly speaking, how long can I keep that up for? I talk to Roy about this all the time. We, we have conversations maybe once a month, and, and I, I bleed on him. <laughs> I feel bad, but I bleed on him because I need to get it off my chest. I need to purge my soul. And and if this is a calling, uh, it's it's not a sprint; it's a marathon. And I need to learn how to breathe. I need to learn how to take time off. I need to learn how to, uh, again, detox. Really, detox—I think is the right word. And so, how can you pray for your chaplains? Um, read what they said in here, but understand there's a nuance behind that, and pray for them because they're they're one person in charge of Circa. Five to 6,000 to people. That is their flock. And they, they're dealing with anything and everything that comes through their door. All right, but, but also don't forget, that's, that's for prayer, but also don't forget in your own lives, as you walk out these doors, in your family, in this church, in the world at large, if you call yourself a Christ follower, and he has done work in you, where he calls you a son of God, a child of God, a daughter of God then there's a you're in the vocation of peacemaking do you agree? do you you believe that? And, and, and this sounds kind of grumpy but I think it's it's based in reality when people tell you they're good do you really believe they're good? or do you believe they're placating you just to get you to go away? So I'm very mindful when people tell me they're good. I have to ask questions if they're really good. Figure it out. Are you really good? Because uh, people need people need help. Right. And I can, I can help them, but I'm not a mind reader. Uh, and I can only help them so far. And that's where the Holy Spirit has to do the work. So I just want to know what I'm walking into. And, and part of the business vocation of peacemaking is knowing where you're at and knowing where you want to go. So let us pray, please. Dear Heavenly Father, come before you, Lord. And I want to thank you for this day, Lord. Uh, again, I'm just thinking of what, what um, James says, Lord, that we plan, we we have desires to do this and that, Lord, go to this city and that city, Lord, but it's really as the Lord wills. And so, with this time now, Lord, with where we're going, Lord, um, keep us mindful that as God, as you are unraveling your will for our lives, Lord, we're attentive. To the Holy Spirit, Lord, we're patient about what you want and desire for us, Lord, but really the first step is to know where we're at, to know who we are, to have an identity, and to be able to walk smartly into this world ahead of us, Lord, knowing that we have all power and authority with wind at our back, Lord, to do your work, to do your will. So, Lord, root that in our minds, root that in our entire being and countenance. Help us to go forth strong and courageous. In Christ's name we pray.
0: Amen. Stand with me church. Let us worship together. Thank you Jonas. Thank you pastor. Thank you for dumping on us. <laughs> Thank you for sharing your story with us for sure. Amen. And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God. And so, Lord, we leave this place this morning going into a world of strife, a world of conflict, a world a world at war. And you call us, as Jonas has reminded us this morning, to be peacemakers, to bring peace into people's lives. Most importantly, they need to know peace with you, peace with God, and then to experience peace of God. And so we go forth this morning, empowered by the Holy Spirit, enabled by the Scriptures, your very word that we are privileged to proclaim. Cause us to be today, tomorrow, and throughout this week, your ambassadors, ambassadors of peace. Go now. In the power and the name of a risen Savior, it's in his name that we pray. Amen.